0: Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, we are wrapping up our common sense series, and and that might seem like a really random and awkward pivot for you. That okay, we're gonna we're going from this beautiful moment to talking about money again. But the reality is, I actually think that God has something to share exactly around this. And in the first week, we talked about what is your relationship with money. We talked about the influences that happen there. In the second week, we we talked about how do we respond to money. And today I want to talk to you about the reward of money. The reward on the other side of a healthy relationship with money. This week we're going to tackle that and and as we we look at this I think it's important for us to understand that there is a, a good, meaningful, impactful, powerful side to a healthy relationship with money. We're going to look at some of the 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 lies that we maybe had to deal with and navigate through our journey with money but also what's on the other side of a healthy relationship but before we get there i just want to i just want to find out who's with me today those who are watching online like just right where you are everybody here have you ever been tricked before just quick raise hands have you ever been like bamboozled. I love that word. Have you ever been bamboozled? Someone said, here, you're going to get this, and then actually, poof. No, you're not. Well, Lauren and I had one, and it is, it's a doozy. It is a, it's a, it's a good one. Um, we were engaged. We were getting married, and I was, I was coming out of helping my dad run one of his restaurants, and and so I was cooking constantly. I was one of his one of his chefs and and so I loved cooking I still love cooking it was it was amazing but anyways we had heard about this opportunity to go and and see this like one of those timeshare presentations and and if you just show up for the timeshare deal then you get a free honeymoon and we're like we're broke we can save our parents' money on the honeymoon, and maybe they'll give us that money because, did I say it, we were broke? And so we were we we're excited about this. So we hear the timeshare thing, and we went in, we locked eyes, we're like, we are saying no. We do not need a timeshare. It's not gonna happen. We're just getting the free trip. Cool, go in, and so we, we said no to the timeshare. It was all good, but they said, there's one last room that I need you to stop in, one last presentation. And in there was this beautiful set of knives (laughs) and the set of knives they were immaculate and it was it was one of those that you could cut a penny that's wrapped in chain mail you could just do all kinds of crazy stuff they were cutting watermelons like it was just how are we doing this and I was like baby I'm a chef and we need knives how am I supposed to cook for you if I don't have good knives like, we must do this. So there's $700 set of knives, but they told us that, look, just 24 easy payments of $1,399, and you just, you keep it up every month, and you pay there, and, and it's all good. And like, that math doesn't math, but I'm dumb, so I don't know any different. Okay, sign us up for us. What they didn't tell you is that if you missed a payment or you didn't do things a certain way, that there was like a 32% interest on whatever was there. Yeah, yeah. Well, we missed it somehow because this was in the day. I know the baby face confuses you, but this was before you could do everything online, right? Like we, we had to like mail in payments and I think we were a couple of days late on it because we were on doing something. Anyways, we missed it and all of a sudden the interest starts hitting and it starts hitting and I'm just paying the minimum because that's what they told me to pay and I'm young and dumb. I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm just keep paying the minimum. The, the principal keeps going up. And I'm like, but I paid. I don't understand what's happening here. And I was a young man, and young men don't like to ask for advice, so I just let it keep going until it hit $2,000. And I'm like, I think I need help. I don't know what's going on here. I keep paying the minimum, and nothing is happening here. And, and my dad was like, oh, that's because you're paying interest. By the time we paid these knives off, four and a half years later, we paid for these $700 pair of knives. And you wanna know the worst part? We didn't call in time to get the free honeymoon. The whole point of everything that we did this for, it did not happen. Word to those of you who are not married yet and you're trying to figure it out. Ask for advice when you don't understand why your bill keeps going up. Just ask somebody just to help you out. But I think so many times in our life, we feel like we're being tricked, we're being used, we're being bamboozled when it comes to our money. We, we feel it that way with the government and with, with our taxes and, and with the gas bill and the food prices. And we feel like we're pawns in somebody else's game and we're just holding on for dear life. But if we're honest about it, there's a lot of times we feel that same way about God and our money. And we feel like somehow in this conversation around money, when it comes to God, that he's trying to trick us too. Like he's trying to get over on us, that he's trying to get more out of us than what we're putting in. And it's just like, what is happening? And I want to help you understand that that is not what God wants to do. For generations and generations, unfortunately, there's been a a misquotation of a Bible verse that has led generations of Jesus followers to believe this half-truth, that money is the root of all evil. We're going to see in just a, <clears throat> just a second where that actually comes from, what, what really is the meaning behind that, because it's close, but it's missing a key word. And the reason why that's important is because we think that God is like against you having money, that God is against you creating wealth, that God is against you having those things because then it's going to cause all of these problems. But the reality is there is an appropriate and a powerful response that is the reward to money. So that's what we're going to look at today. The, The verse comes from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and it says this in verse 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. I don't want to miss that. True godliness, true connection, true relationship with God is itself great wealth. But he continues, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. We can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Here's, the, here's a verse that's caused so much confusion over all the years, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, longing for money, driven by money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. We're getting a little deep here quick today, but I just want you to hang with me because there's three three ways that the enemy kind of, three things in your life that the enemy attacks and uses these influential, powerful things in our lives. The enemy comes along and he tries to bring confusion and half-truths around sex, around money, and around mental health. And what the enemy understands is that if he can get you to believe half-truths about God when it comes to sex, that God's just trying to keep you away from something fun, God's trying to keep you from being able to experience pleasure and all the things, it's like, who created it? Oh, wait, God did. So why, if he created it in a way that is pleasurable, would he then go, don't? Have any fun. That's not God, but the enemy convinces you that. When it comes to your money, he says, God doesn't want you to be wealthy. God wants to take away that thing that you need to put food on the table. God's just trying to rob you. What? Why would the God who provides good things, who works together all things for the good of those who love him and follow, why would he try to rob you of something? When it comes to our mental health, God is just trying to to change the way you think. He's just trying to brainwash you to believe his way over. The enemy just plants these seeds, plants these seeds, plants these seeds, and convinces us to believe these things. But the reality, on the other hand, is, is that God wants something for you on the other side. And many times we miss it because of the smoke screen that the enemy is putting in front of us. I love how Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, and hang with me for a second because this is important, how we understand about what God is wanting for us. And he says this in verse seven, the old way with laws etched in stone led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' faith. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Verse eight, shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, under this new covenant with Jesus? Now that the Holy Spirit is given life, I love verse 9. If the old way which brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, this new covenant through Jesus, which makes us right with God? Verse 14, but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. But verse 16, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And this is the key. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The old way covered us. The old way made us feel condemnation. The other way led to death. But this new covenant, this new relationship, this what Jesus did for us leads to death freedom, and you're saying, Danny, that's beautiful, but what does that have to do with money? And it leads us to this first truth, that healthy money habits lead to a deeper sense of freedom. That what? What Jesus, when he was talking about it, when Paul was talking about it, when Peter was talking about money, it's not because of this maniacal need for control or trying to trick you. What they were writing about, what Jesus wants you to experience on the other side of a healthy relationship with money is freedom. The reward of money in your life when it's handled in a healthy way is freedom. It's not condemnation. It's not guilt. It is freedom. So many times in, in church, when money is talked about it, it's, it's talked about it in this way that it, you just feel icky when you leave. You feel guilty and, and shameful. That's not how Jesus wants you to experience this. What he wants for you what his heart is, is to say, hey, in one of those key areas, one of those big three that drive and, and manipulate your mind and impact you deep within your soul, sex, money, and, and your thought life, those, those three, if you have a healthy relationship with me and those, what's on the other side of it is freedom. That's his heart. So many of you over the last couple of weeks You've shared with me, I, Danny, I, I've been avoiding this, this money talk. I've been avoiding even thinking about the money. You just there's so much anxiety that fills my, my heart and my soul whenever I have to process money. Danny, when I have to think about my habits, when, when I have to talk about my relationship with money, when I look at my money story and what I came from and, and where I am now, Danny, when I get into those things, it's overwhelming. Danny. I didn't realize that I was asking money to solve this problem that money can't solve. I, I just didn't even think about it that way. That's, that's the conversation I've been hearing over the last couple of weeks from you guys. And it's, it's this beautiful thing. And the reason why we're talking about this, because Jesus wants you to have freedom. He doesn't want the thought of, of money to cause anxiety and cold sweats, and fear, and overwhelm. He wants it to be something that points you back to him. That is his heart. It's not about guilt. It's not about shame. And it leads us to this truth that beating yourself up doesn't make you stronger. It just leaves you bruised. And for some reason, we have believed the lie that God just wants to beat us up in this area. And it's just not true. It's not true. That is not his heart. What he wants you to experience is the reward of a healthy relationship with money. I love love how Paul said in his first letter to the Corinthians church in, in chapter six, he says, hey, you say, I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Again, here comes this language again. Slave and master, bondage and freedom. Over and over, the writers of the Bible are trying to explain to us that in this area, it isn't just you have a bad feeling, you end up in bondage and what Jesus wants for you desperately is to experience what we just sang about freedom freedom the second reward of money and I, I love talking about this one is that healthy money habits builds more capacity in our lives capacity in our lives. I love that word capacity. When I when I get to talk with with leaders who are outside of just church world and and talk about in business and marketplace and get to share with them and and we're having conversations about how to expand your capacity, expand your leadership capacity, your your capacity to be able to grow as a company and, and to be able to experience those things. And it's it's so good because it's this perfect union between our purpose and our process our purpose and our process and how that that plays out. But Peter has some really important words when it comes to our capacity. He says this in 2 Peter one, he says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And here's where it starts. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature. Do you, do you understand that when God created you, he created you in his image, that you have a divine nature, that God has wired you and created you in a way that is in unity with who he is? We have these components of our lives and through our relationship with him, it unlocks this. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruptions caused by human desires. In view of all this, and this is what we do with it, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is saying that we build on each other, that these things build, they stack, they're bricks that lead up to a staircase of growth and growth in our capacity. He lays out. So how does healthy money habits grow our capacity? How does it build that? How does that happen? You you remember the movie Lion King in the Circle of Life? Nons and Right, you remember that? The circle of life. Today, I want to share with you the circle of capacity. The circle of capacity. And the first part of that circle is that healthy habits, especially money habits, build your capacity when it comes to your emotions. It builds your emotional capacity. Your emotional capacity. When you live with healthy habits, you can take money out of there if you want and just put healthy habits. But money is an important piece of that. When you live with healthy habits, it increases your ability to manage your emotions, to manage your emotions. Have, have you ever just quick raise of hand? You don't have to raise it like real high, but just like kind of halfway, like a, like a Danny Liera. Danny Liera always raises his hands like this backwards, like a little little raise of hands. Have you ever lost your mind when it comes to your money? Like, have you ever just had a stressed out money where all of a sudden you're just like, ah, snap? Yes, we all, everybody's like, "Uh." yes, we have. We had, why? Our emotional capacity is tapped out, there's nothing left there, and we freak, we freak out, we spaz. Have you ever had a great week only for it to be knocked off when you when you find out that your your brother or your sister or your sister-in-law is going to Europe yet another time? It's like, how many times can you go? Where is this coming from? why i you know what my unique and amazing trip was to? Costco <laughs> You're going to. Florence, and I'm going to the flower department at Vons. I just, I just need something here. And we, our emotions start to take over. Healthy money habits help us build from a healthier emotional space. That's the first brick. As we get healthier in our emotions, it leads to the next area where we can gain capacity. As our emotional capacity grows, it helps us grow in our energy capacity to grow in our energy capacity. Healthier emotions and healthier habits put you in the, in the best place to give your best to the people who deserve it the most. Can we, can we just be real for a second? There's a lot of seasons in our life where we give our best to the people who deserve it the least. We give our very best It was 40, 50, 60 hours a week at work. And it's not that they don't matter, but we give everything we have at work only to come home and have nothing left in the tank. And we give our worst to the people who deserve our best. Our energy capacity is depleted. It's not, it's not big enough. We hear the words in Galatians that says, let us not get tired of doing what is good. But family, if we're honest, sometimes we just say, God, I'm tired. Not only am I tired of doing good, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. When our emotional capacity is unhealthy, when we have unhealthy habits, when it comes to our emotions, it robs us of our energy. It's like, a, it's like a spigot being turned on at the bottom of our energy capacity in the water and the energy is just leaking out. But we close that when we have our emotional capacity where it needs to be, our energy capacity where it needs to be. We need to get to a point where we understand that our energy does not come from ourselves. It comes from the relationship with our Savior. We have to lean in to the one who gives us strength, If we are constantly getting to the end of our bucket, it means we're doing too much in our own strength. We need to lean on him. So healthy habits and our emotions, healthy habits and our energy leads to growing our people capacity. And some of you are like, Danny, I don't want to grow my people capacity. I got too many of them in my life already. I don't want any more people capacity. And it isn't about increasing the amount of people. It's about increasing the relationship and the connectivity with them. As our habits grow, we have a larger capacity in our emotions, a larger capacity in our energy, and a larger capacity for us to connect with people. You have to know by now that you were not meant to do this journey on your own. This faith journey, this following after Jesus, you were not meant to do it alone. Jesus could have if he didn't, but instead he decided to spend the time that he had on earth with 12 knuckleheads that drove him insane. Why? Because he knew we needed to see what it looked like to be in relationship. What, Danny, what does this have to do with money? Everything. Everything. Why? Because when we try to build any spiritual discipline in isolation, it's an uphill battle. When we try to get better at anything in our lives and we try to do it on our own, it's an up. It's so much harder. It's so it's so challenging. So when it comes to your finances, find some trusted people in your life. Find find some people who live a life of generosity. Find people who don't seem to be stressed out by money and go, hey, how do you guys do it? Uh, How do you navigate this and work through this and learn from them, connect with them? If that's too much, just find someone that you trust in your life and say, hey, will you text me one time every week over the next two months? What do you want me to text you? Just keep going. Just keep trying. Don't give up. Eight little text messages would absolutely change your life because it would be that reminder don't give up on the habit. Don't give up on the habit. Don't give up on the habit. habit. I I get so many ridiculous and dumb text messages that come through my phone. I would love to get one a week that was like, you can still do it, right? Crate and barrel if you text me one more time. Find someone in your life that will be willing to text you. It's worth it to keep going. It's worth it to keep going growing in our capacity with people it leads to the the fourth area is our growth capacity our ability that uh, uh, the way i like to say it is that when it comes to our capacity we all have a lid there's a lid to the bucket of our capacity but that lid can be moved that lid can grow that lid can expand how by learning by connecting with people, by inviting people into the journey, by getting healthier in our emotions, getting healthier in our energy, getting healthier in our relationships. It expands the distance in which we can go. When it comes to your finances, this is one of the easiest areas to see capacity grow. You want to see capacity? Live on a budget. Spend less than you bring in. Don't inundate yourself with debt, and immediately you'll see your growth capacity start to expand. But in every area of our life that it it takes discipline and intentionality, and we'll get to experience growth on the other side. And it leads us to the the final piece of the the puzzle. And this this is the piece of the puzzle that you guys thought I was going to talk about every single week throughout the whole thing and this is the one last little point in the end of the series, so kudos. It expands your generosity capacity. It expands your generosity capacity. It gives you an opportunity to partner with something bigger than yourself. There are few things in life that's more rewarding than getting to to help someone who is in need, to be able to come alongside someone and and impact their lives and, and share in their burden and be able to, to use what little you have to make a difference in their lives. It is so powerful. But generosity is one of those uncomfortable conversations within church because it's it's riddled with guilt and it's riddled with insecurity and it's riddled with, with shame. And it, it just doesn't need to be that way. And the reality is, if, if you've been alive longer than a couple years, you know that one of the worst motivators in life is guilt. You want to find out? Ladies, try to guilt your husband into doing something. Men, try to guilt your wife into doing something. See how good that works out. It just creates negativity and negative energy. So I'm never going to stand up here and try to guilt you into being a generous person. Don't have time for it. It's a waste of my time and it's a waste of yours and it's not biblical. God is not trying to guilt you into partnership with him. There's a reward for generosity with him. How do do we navigate this? I love how Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide, this is so important, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all that you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God, this is the key, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. One of the words that you hear us say here a lot at the end of service, Lauren will say, Hey, we're gonna receive our tithes and our offerings. The tithe was this this principle that was it was an old testament principle that they gave a tenth of their their earnings, a tenth of their vegetables, a tenth of their money that came in, their income, it's 10%. And, and a lot of people have, have kind of like attached that and it's like, it's got to be 10% or it's, it's nothing. And then there's people on the other side. They're like, well, why are we holding on to old Testament principles? If we're saying this new covenant is so amazing and it's so great, why are we doing too much words? Paul makes it abundantly simple. Give what God has put on your heart and give it with a cheerful attitude. Give what he's laying on. I don't care about the percentage. I know that's probably gonna get me in trouble somewhere, but I don't care. The reason for Lauren and I, we we have consistently since we got married, we've always given between 10% and 12% of our income. Why? Because we feel held to this like certain, no. Because we know ourselves. If we don't have a consistent number that we have every single month, when we get to certain months that we spend more, we wanna take a trip, then we'll dip into that and take it. How do I know that? Because you wanna know the two lowest giving months every year in every single church? January and July, why? Everybody's broke after Christmas and everybody's going on vacation in July. Like It's just the reality of how it works in our lives. And so for us, we've made the commitment, hey, we're going to do this percentage and we're going to stick to it because we know that works for us. Paul was making it abundantly clear. Don't be pressured into this. It's not about guilt. It's not about any of that stuff. But understand, he's clever. He's smart in this. You sow a little bit, you get a little bit. You sow a lot, God will bless that. But this is the key that I want you to understand when it comes to generosity is understand that the greatest sign of trust is releasing control. The greatest sign of trust is releasing control. And my prayer and my hope for you when it comes to generosity is that you would open your heart and allow God to speak to you of where that point is in your life where you can say, hey God, I'm actually trusting you with this. I'm surrendering control. I'm surrendering what I think that I need. You see, Lauren and I have watched dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of families take the challenge to live a life of generosity. And and they come back and they say, it worked, it was crazy. Like it's been amazing and God is blessing our family and this opportunities open up and like all of these amazing stories of how God has shown up in their acts of generosity. But do you wanna know what the hard part is? We have dozens and dozens and dozens of stories from those same people that they took this step of faith and they gave and God showed up. There was a harvest And when the harvest came in, and it was more than they expected, all of a sudden they started holding on to what was given to them. God blessed. And they said, whoa, this is a big blessing. Let me hold on to more. And what God is trying to challenge all of us is to understand that there's a point in every one of our journey where we say, hey, God, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you, I'm trusting you. And then we get to that line and we go, I wanna hold on to a little bit of control here. And when it comes to our finances, when it comes to our generosity, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to any spiritual principle, it isn't about God's control, it's about our trust in Him. And the moment we start pulling back control, is the moment our trust and our faith starts to dip. It's a challenge for us. Hear my heart, the point is not guilt, the point is not shame, it's understanding that you and I have vulnerabilities. Lauren and I do a great job. We set this number in our mind and we never miss it and we lean into it and we don't let anything happen. We'll eat beans and rice for a week, but we're gonna give our 10%, it doesn't matter. But there's plenty of other areas that we're not good there's plenty other areas. I've shared plenty of those in the series where we've made dumb mistakes and we've we don't have the best habits. It it isn't about being perfect. It's about the simple fact of do I trust God? Or am I fighting for control? When it comes to your emotions, do you trust God? Or are you fighting for control? when it comes to your relational capacity, when it comes to your growth, when it it comes to your energy, when it comes to any aspect of your life, are you fighting for control or increasing your trust? I'm gonna leave you with one last truth before we get ready to pray. It's this, that when we live with honest self-evaluation, we discover what we need to do today to be who we desire tomorrow? What do you need to do today that will set the path forward to who you desire to be tomorrow? What do you need to do? You need to evaluate your relationships. You need to evaluate how you're handling your emotions. You need to evaluate the habits that you have with your finances. Whatever it is, the challenge for you and I today is to take whatever steps we need in order to be who we desire tomorrow. What is your relationship with money? What is your response to money? And what will be your reward on the other side of money? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for just challenging us. I know it's been such a challenge for Lauren and I as, as we have gone through this series to make sure that we're, we're having those conversations ourselves and navigating those things ourselves and, and investigating our own stories and investigating our own habits. And Jesus, at the end of the day, What just became so abundantly clear, the deeper and deeper I got into this conversation, is that your heart is for us to experience freedom. So Jesus, I pray right now for my friends who are watching online, that wherever they are sitting in their living room, sitting in their kitchens, that you would just meet them where they are, that they would understand that your heart for them your desire for them is that they would experience freedom on the other side of a trusting and a meaningful relationship with you. Jesus, for my friends in the room here today, I pray that you would stir up within them this heart to investigate the line in which they stop trusting and they start controlling. God, I pray that you would reveal to them, where is it? Where is it in this faith journey that they get to, that they trust and they trust and they pray and they're excited and it's, it's all good and they hit that line and all of a sudden that, that faith starts to fade a little bit and they start to fight for control. God, if it's in their finances, would you reveal it to them? If it's in their emotions, would you reveal it to them? If it's in their relationships, would you reveal it to them? God, we want to leave this place with a deeper trust in who you are. God, I want my friends to leave here with a sense of purpose and a sense of freedom that is found in this relationship with you. So Jesus, we love you, we thank you. We thank you for your heart. We thank you for your motives. We thank you for your plan. We thank you for your purpose for us. Jesus, we lean into it today. Trusting and knowing that on the other side of the blessings that you pour out from heaven is a reward of freedom and growth. We love you. We thank you. Pray all of this in Jesus' name.